<laughs> it would be a wolf's but eh? No one speak. <laughs> Hello, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's kick it off then. We're going to go with the flow with this podcast. We're not. We're going to do it a bit, a bit differently from the norm this week. We're not going to have like a designated host and questions. We're just going to jump right in and go with the flow. So there's Stu, myself, and Gully this week. Um, What's quite funny is when they hear that intro video, there it gets you. There's quite a lot of energy and enthusiasm, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that game on Saturday. <laughs> I, I was, I was my head a bit right it was... on. I have to say, I was I was getting a little bit, you know, trying to box, it? Yeah, it's the Peter Drury effect. He just does it for everyone. It is the Peter Drury effect. I completely agree with you with that because. He's up there. He's 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 the most energetic commentator of the lot, isn't he? Some of the some of the stuff that he comes out with as well. He's catchphrases and cliches. Um, at, yeah. at one at one time, I did I hated him. I think it might have been when he was on when he was on some of the pro Evo games, and he just he got so. But I mean, the commentary's shit anyway. But as soon as it started getting really bad, he started being worse. And the the, the pecking order, he was he was third ranking beyond. Clive Tilsley and maybe even maybe even the guy who's always with Don Goodman for me. The guy who's always with Don Goodman? Rob Is it Bill Leslie? Oh, or so Daniel you, Mann? One of them. I was going to say Daniel Mann then. He's, he's always with uh, Hinchcliffe, isn't he? I'm, yeah, I'm convinced they're the same person in real life, <laughs> but they've just got different names on, on different games. And Rob Hawthorne then as well, so there's three of them. Rob Hawthorne's a, he's a classic. He's he's back in the nineties, wasn't he? From from what I recall, he's 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 a stalwart of the game. I, I I do always wonder when you hear that line, Molyneux in all its magnificence. Like, is this what people think of Molyneux? Like outside of <laughs> Wolverhampton? Like, have we got this reputation? A lot, in all, of, a lot in of all its magnificence, the stand from the seventies, the new stand, and the, and the one that was wet, the one that's not even allowed to open in the corner yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you do think, though, from from a media point of view, they only see the the outside of the Billy Wright stand, and then they walk in from the press area and they see outside. They never go around the back of the Steve Bull where all the paintwork ain't been painted since like nineteen ninety four. You never see it on camera, you know, like when they they do like uh, you know maybe like a drone shot from above the ground <laughs> or anything. It's never on the wrong side of the stadium, is it ever? No, or or it's too high up that you can't see any, any of the the, tap, yeah. like, like the moss or anything that started to grow. Nicely selected vantage point, not showing the back at the arse end of the Steve Bull. It's like a dark side of the moon, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, we best get into it because um, I, I appreciate all the diversion tactics from trying to talk about the actual <laughs> game itself, but we are actually going to have to talk about this game, sadly. Um, so, Wolves had a bit of a shocker on Saturday, losing 3 0 to Palace. Should we should we re, should we rewind to a time where we were actually happy, and that was when the uh, when the lineups came out. Yes, nice segue there, Stu. The the lineups. Um, 
I'll I'll just jump straight in and think there's. I mean, to be honest, there wasn't really much to change, was there, from the Everton game? I know. So the only contentious there was the two possible contentious decisions for me, and that was Dendonka in for Matinho, and then um, Trincao just not being there, but. Trinkair just not being there, as in, like, <laughs> nobody in his spot, though. To start well, with it. <laughs> the thing is, though, right, the, the thing for me, I'll focus on Trinkair for a second, because I've said before on this pod quite a few times, I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced by him. He's, I've, he's still not convinced me yet, to be honest with you. But, that being said, I think he had his best game for us against Everton. Now, I appreciate mm-hmm. that was probably still, like, a 6 out of 10, maybe 7. But, I could understand why he kept his place. And I know Bruno's talked before about horses for courses and, and what have you. Um, so, I had a, little sh- a tiny little shoulder shrug when the line-up came out. I was like, mm, OK, fair enough. Trinko starting again. And OK, Matinho starting again. I possibly would have gone with Dendonka, for me, given who we were playing. Uh, which, as it turned out, would probably would have, would have been the better bet, to be honest. But, for me, that was only two issues that Potentially could have been for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I had I had no complaints whatsoever. I mean, I think I've probably been the one singing Trinkeo's praises more than anyone so far. And again, that is based on four or five games. I saw him playing for Barcelona against terrible La Liga teams. So in a Wolfshire, you're probably right. Everton first half, especially, was his best performance. Maybe what the first half at Watford as well. Watford, he, or Watford I thought he was excellent as well. And I think glimpses against Man United, he, he showed pretty 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 well. But, but he just, like the, the, the Newcastle, was it Newcastle when he hit the bar and then he just disintegrated and drifted up, drifted off <laughs> into his own little world. And So he has got something about him and I thought he did play well against Everton and obviously... This, my... this, is, this, is, the, this is the thing though, isn't it? Because the alternatives in Traore and Pedence, you both... You probably have the same situation where you think, yeah, you probably had a few. They've probably had a few good games, but they also haven't had that consistency. So it really kind of feels like a toss-up. Yeah, with all three I was, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that my, my kind of end of the line with Traore having a long time ago and him constantly fucking up all the time when he's through on goal. The same, hap- the same is true with Trincao and like you said, Pedence as well. It's, it's like picking. The best of a three terrible bunch at the minute, and but going after that Everton performance, I don't think he could have changed it. And even bringing Den Donkery really shined whatsoever under Bruno Lowe so far. So I think he's going to now. And when he when he's when he came in like when he was like Leeds, he was, was it? no not Leeds, yeah Leeds, um, yeah, Leeds yeah. when Neves was out and he was anonymous for the vast majority of the game. You think. And what he did do, he was a mess. So, I think what he said at the start of the season about three midfielders who are exactly the same as each other is more than accurate now. And I think going with a lineup without with only two midfielders rather than having Dendonka as a third was probably the best bet at the time, looking back. Yeah, I think going back to the point you made, though, earlier, Adam, about horses for courses, I think if you look at it in hindsight and you know it, it is a wonderful thing like I say we really didn't go horses for courses this time in terms of we didn't make no, not decisions all, no. and 
you know, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But when you look at that side, there is a lightweight feel to it. And um, as, you it, as it, it you, you look at it up front. So it's like the, the front three options. Obviously, Raul picks himself, always does. Huang is the guy who's, who's been our goal scorer this season in the main. So he's you can't drop him at the minute. So it's three players for one position. And it seems to be that Pedence has got the first impact sub role like nailed down. That's his that's his role at the minute as it stands. And then you've got Truro is the one that all the fans want to see. They just think he should be starting every game. Or most fans. Not you, Stu, obviously. There's obviously most fans want to see him start. Um and then we've got all the background noise about all these contract situation going on, which they which they're determined to say that him not playing is not because of that. And then you've got Trinkeo, the guy who we're all happy to see signed in the summer, but I don't know if some of us isn't isn't doing it. And I know Gully, you mentioned before that his um, his body language isn't exactly, or sometimes mm-hmm. can't help. But it's not it's not like the the bit the main issue. But sometimes you know he, he gives off the aura of a guy who looks like he potentially isn't working hard enough. And then that's probably might not be the case as such. But um, we've seen. Them chopping, you know, well, certainly Trincare and Truro have been chopped and changed. I don't think Pedence has started the league game for us yet, has he? Correct me if I'm wrong. Southampton away, he started. I did it. Um, and he didn't play very well. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just seems at the minute that we, we, that that front three, at the minute, there's there's three, there's only one position really available at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, then Donker didn't, hasn't really got much of a say so because we've gone back to the, the Neves Matinho. Um, partnership, which, as we all know, is very one-paced or no-paced, as we've seen, and and on that FIFA video as well, it shows very low the pace that side as well. <laughs> They're all slow, <laughs> all three of them slow as shit, and in the middle. But like we've said before, you know, that's unfortunately what we've got to deal with, isn't it? At the moment, that's what that's their that's always our big fear with their midfield at the minute. And I think if we just segue onto the game slightly, and let's just let's. <laughs> Let's button down the hatches into that. I think some of their midfield got, well, both of their midfield players um, got completely outbattled. I think. I think I just saw, especially MacArthur. MacArthur got the better of Matinho, I think, time and time again. But um, who wants to take up the the first baton? We're talking about the game. Um, I mean, (laughs) as an overall point, it was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it? Getting through to half time was. was a blessing so that we don't have to watch any more of it. So we're just going to look at look at something else. But I think before we absolutely rip them apart, I think a special mention has to go to how good Conor Gallagher actually looks. To be honest, I mean he wore up against much, but the fact that he's been completely omitted from the England squad, and I know it's early and everything, but Kilman should have been there as well. What we're talking about it, but yeah, I thought he was absolutely superb, and I thought well. There's clearly something wrong if this guy's not. I mean, we people have been raving about him anyway, and yeah, he was kind of shackled at Albion last season, but he still played well against us. Shock horror. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought he was superb all game long. I think and he, he kind I of put us to shame. Too. I think he was good, but I think he has one kind of outstanding characteristic, which is he'll fucking run all day. And basically, that's all it took to kind of get the better of us almost in that middle of the park. But he doesn't waste it. Though. That's the that's the thing. When no, you play- you're right. Yeah, you are right about that. Yeah, that's true. When you have that's you true. have players like that who just run around like like bless Dave Edwards, but 
he wore the uh, the technical <laughs> magician that we all wished he was at times, and he'd win the ball back, and then he'd pass it off to someone who could who could do something with it. But yeah, I think that's for his age and his inexperience, relatively. I thought he, he looked amazing, but I, yeah. I just honestly I don't know what it was with him. He every time he pressed someone, it looked like they were having an extra touch too many. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and they were it it made whoever look, whoever was in possession look like they were going to panic on the ball, and you know that that was the I guess you know the timing of, of his pressing and things like that. That's clearly where his real kind of a mod. It's kind of a modern day attribute, isn't it? Really, it's not something that was necessarily. I mean, people who worked hard have always been there, but people who work smart are are now the kind of what 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 people what managers want from their uh, from their team. But I just feel like. I mean, I, I tweeted this after the game, but I mean, the first half. Let's be honest, it was just a shit game of football, really, wasn't it? It, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't like we were out of, you know, we were being totally, you know, swept away by anything. But it was just a crap game. In it general. was. It, it was absolute shit. I mean, the extended highlights on the app—they're only nine minutes long, and only one minute of that was just over. <laughs> was for the first half. <laughs> so there's little there was to report. But at what point in the first half did you think? That this isn't going to go our way because I thought fairly early on. We just, we, yeah, well, I mean, like, you just you could tell, couldn't you, from from very early on, you just thought this isn't. It's not going to go our way here. And I know, like, we started off the season playing well, not winning. Then, if we're honest, the last last few five six games we've not played well, but have managed to put a good run of games together. That Everton first half was the sweet spot where we were playing well and getting, you know, getting goals as well. Obviously, until the second half come along. But I don't know at what point in this game did you think, nah, this this is a full start. This is. It was other. It was very similar to Southampton for me, where we just looked completely out of our depth, <laughs> and with the players on the pitch, it is an amazing mental thing to say. But they just looked like they had no clue and they had no answer from very early on. And we said about running smarter, and there were all it wasn't just him, Gallagher, it was a lot of them. There were being, I mean, I think the thing with him is because he looks a bit Thor like with his hair, it is quite intimidating. Since someone is it like the he's reincarnation, not, he's who can't Gallagher? Not big lad, is he? No, I'm just saying you, you look at the, at the corner of your eye, and this this flock of blonde locks are coming like a reincarnation Stu. of Richard Sneakers. Todd Cadwell's the same I wouldn't hair. Mind. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> into you don't Connor play I wouldn't mind bumping into Conor Gallagher in a dark alley if I'm being brutally honest. Like, I'll, I'll take that. If 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 I was going to be intimidated in a situation, it wouldn't be that one. He'd run away from you. And back again. And back again. <laughs> and again. You wouldn't see him. You just wouldn't see him. Yeah, I think it, 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 it was worrying signs from very early on and it never got any better. I think the the highlight of the first half was the Huang song, which went on for 25 minutes. That was I heard this. We did hear it, despite the strategically placed um, Selhurst Park oh, microphones. Absolutely outrageous. That it. We even watched them before the kickoff. They went and put two of the fluffy boom mic things, two of them, behind the goal on their end, in front of their, the Ukrainians. Straight, and you think, well, we know that they do this on telly anyway, but seeing it in... I mean, it's like, it's as clear as day that it, it's a thing to, oh, yeah, this famous Selhurst Park atmosphere. To be we fair, also- once they scored... They all they did rack it yeah. up a bit, but I started we until had, then. Jack, we had Jackie Oatley and Glenn Murray ramming it down our throats on commentary as well. Oh yeah, 
it was it's just ridiculous. I was, I was looking yeah, forward. The... I was looking forward to the uh, Ukrainian ultra correspondence you all there, uh, tell, <laughs> tell, tell, telling us about these. Uh, how many how many entitled reckon she was it fifty or a hundred, <laughs> and that's all it was, and two flags. <laughs> the one there were the two flags and the ones who the little section who were jumping up and down on the spot behind <laughs> that guy who's got his own platform in the first half. And you think, wow, oh, it's like a platform. That's like that's yeah. proper Bundesliga. That is. Yeah, he's, is he's, it? it's like a black platform with some kind of like like symbol on it. <laughs> what, what is it all about? Is there is there some kind of link between the Ukraine and Crystal Palace or something? <laughs> no, I, 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 I said once that they, they were wannabe Ukrainians. That's where they, they, it came from. Oh, but then okay. you look at you look at them, and they're all they all dressed in black. They've got their own Homesdale End T-shirts on, like home branded. <laughs> See, we, we, they, maybe they asked the uh, sports shop Kings Winford, and maybe they they supplied them for them. Um, I'd, I'd but, like, I'd like for if we have ultras, I'd like for us to get a platform. But I wouldn't trust them to build it while they're doing the great new stuff. They probably have to be torn down after two games. Stu, what was your what was your view like as it happened? It's okay. It, well, it's as, as good as okay as you can get in that place. I went because last last time we went there two years ago, I went in front of the pole. I thought, oh, thinking smart here, but it's so shallow that you. You can't see anything to the side of you. <laughs> Even me being six foot tall, I mean, my mom's five foot four or whatever. So she had no, she just went. She just went to the back so she could see something. Good, so yeah. I, thought this, th- I thought this time around, I'm going to go halfway. And when I looked at it, you got that little section at the very back where the plastic seats are, the, the original plastic seats, where you can, it's like looking through a letterbox and you can't see anything above the stand opposite you because of the gantry. <laughs> So if you go far that far back, you can only see through a letterbox sized window. If you go halfway, it's so shallow that you've got to be kind of guessing and hoping that you've got no Gullivers and in front of you. So when I went on the, uh, on the ticket on the, on the Boeing website, there was this part that was missing. So I thought, well, I'll go behind that because that must mean something. And it was a small concrete wall. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a small concrete wall, probably about knee high and it had no purpose whatsoever <laughs> it's obviously been there from like the 40s or something when that was part like in front of that was terracing but it's still there <laughs> so it, it's seating other than this little concrete wall so maybe that maybe that was a sweet spot because i could see in front then but yeah it's an absolute shit all right so it, regardless it's the worst screen in the in probably the the top three divisions easily wow that's some right. statement that is saying something as well. Yeah. There's, but, a, there, uh, there's no view worse than there. No way. I mean, unless you get unlucky with where you're sitting at Liverpool or Everton. Yeah. You can, you can cop that, but it just... Yeah, there's, at least there's no poles, is there? I think it... I mean, what good is it spending? £20 million pounds on Mark Gurhi if he can't even fix his fucking stadium? <laughs> what a player he is, by the way. Well, I must say, I mean, I, I'm, I've got to eat a little bit of humble pie about Palace because, uh, admittedly, like pre-season predictions, I just had them for straight relegation. As soon as I put Vieira in charge, and then I think they, were, they just let go of about 10 players who were out of contract or something something like that. And before they made any real signings, I just thought, well, this is, this is like a straight shot for relegation. It's them, Norwich, and, and, and one other. And, um, but the, the thing is, Adam, I, I guarantee you, most of the footballing world said that. Except yeah. for Glenn Murray, apparently, because he was telling us, oh, 
the the the, the appointment made total sense at the start of the season. A young manager with a young group of players and they're going to be rejuvenated and all this kind of shit. I guarantee you, he did not have Patrick Vieira on his bloody hit list of managers that he wanted in charge of Palace. Probably had Neil Warnock on top of his list or something Probably, like that. Probably, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's like Gay, Mark Gay, Conor Gallagher, Odson Edward, and, you know, they've obviously, I mean, I know they've not won too many and they've drew quite a lot of games, but you can see that there's some parts there that if he gets it right, that can be, well, probably like similar to us, really, a, a good a mid-table team. And I'll say that with us because I know I saw after the game, and we will dissect the game in a minute, but I did see after the game that, you know, there's a lot of tweets about how pissed off everyone was, people, again, questioning Bruno, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's a bit, short-sighted because really as I said earlier we've never played well during our, our good run and do you think that we kind of have to accept our place in the food chain this season which is a mid a mid-table team and and what comes with that territory is being inconsistent that's just the, the very nature of being a mid-table team is not we're going to be inconsistent because I mean if we're honest and um, t- tell me if I'm being wrong I don't like, want to be too negative but we're certainly not a top six team at the minute and we'd probably we're not gonna be a top eight team so I think you know where we probably see ourselves now in the league table is probably where we might end up but I know do you think people are right to be so frustrated and so negative after our first loss in what was what five five or so, five or so games I stayed off Twitter yesterday it was I saw what I saw one tweet I got back on the coach I saw one tweet I thought nope no need no point today because it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's from one extreme to the next, and we all know what the sensible ones amongst us know what we are, and they know the limitations, and the fact that he wasn't really backed, well, backed at all. Um, so he's worth trying to get Nuno's squad of defenders, pretty much, and, and the defensive mindset from the last two years, especially, change that round with no added extras other than one guy who's flattering to deceive and another who's been a revelation and that's really it it's always going to be like this i mean you, you the fact that we've got one draw it's either win or win or lose that's what we are we yeah. are yeah. we are as, as bang mid-table as you can possibly want to well not want to be but we just are and i think until january when he might get backed um this is just what it's going to be and i don't think there's anything wrong there's nothing wrong with that and i, I even said I mean, I said we'd finish 16th and it would be better to watch just because of the limitations of the squad. And I don't think anything... He's over, over, overperformed what I expected. It started off that way. Yeah. It'd be better to watch when we were losing. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, uh... and, but it's not... But it, under Nuno, it was always boring. The last 15 months was boring. We knew what was going to happen every week. We knew that the team was going to be every week. At least with this, some, when we're good, like the first half against Everton, we are good. And there's been moments, and there's been like the Villa away is never going to be beaten, and look what's happened to Dean Smith, poor lamb. So it's I'd rather it be like this and have some kind of glimpse of what can be if he's backed and he has his own players and his own system, rather than just trundling along like we were. And I think people have got a bit carried away that oh yeah, we could have got seventh, we could have been sixth if we beat Palace because Palace is shit. When we kind of already discussed that they're not at all. So, for me, it's, we are where we deserve to be and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think... It, I mean, talking about 
the kind of backlash after the game, there's two strands to it. We were, you can speak about the game in the context of it was a shit 90 minutes. And that's okay. I think we can all get on board with the fact that that game just did not go to, to plan. There were some bad decisions with team selection, in-game management, performances, etc. What I don't understand is the fact that people want to, you know, make a, a judgment call on basically the season so far and Bruno's management up until this point. I think that's totally out of order. And I think that's where we need to take a little bit of perspective. I said at the start of the season, I'll be quite happy with 12th, 13th again, as long as it's better to watch, like you said, Stu. And that's probably a good season for Bruno. You know, lest we, lest we forget, he's had 18 months of Portuguese league management. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. Like he's not he's not a reputable manager at this point in his career. He's not he's not he's still wet behind the ears, really, you know, and let's be honest, that time at Benfica was a whirlwind of success for him. He doesn't necessarily know how to deal with too much adversity at this point. So, you know, and, and going back to the you know, we've only drawn one game, I think that's really telling in terms of the way we can't seem to maybe wrestle back into games. We we got back against mm. Villa because they're shite. We didn't get back into the Villa game because we were good. And yeah, it's a one-off you know, battle. No, but it, it's 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 so true. Like and and you know we didn't we never looked like getting back into that Palace game because Palace were good. You know mm. that's that's as simple as that. And we need to be able to try and impose ourselves and, and change the course of the game with our own quality and that's something that Bruno needs to try and figure out at this point. Well, let's, um, Steve, let's throw up the stats for the game so we can all, we can all take a look at them. So that we'll, yeah. we'll start delving a bit more into the, the game itself now. now <clears throat> these thanks, stats... Thanks, thanks for the audio listeners that don't have to see this travesty. Well, I mean, for the audio listeners, we can reference a few horror, horror stories here. So what, shots 13 to 4... This, this is obviously all in favour of Palace, clearly. Then uh, shots on target. We only had two. I remember those. That was like, um, was it Jimenez's soft header and then Matinho's free kick towards the end. But even possession, 60-40 to Palace. Um, complete, like, completely outpassed off the pitch. And our accuracy was, what, 74? Which I think it just, it, it felt like that as well during the game, didn't it? It, just, it felt like we just couldn't really keep hold of the ball. To be honest, and it just—I mean that, yeah, those stats are just a bit of a tale of woe, really, against you know what is a team that will probably be there or thereabouts with us in the, in the middle of the table, um, and then as I said, we, anything there at all surprise you guys about those stats because that it's it looks pretty open and shut to me. The amount of fells was amazing <laughs> when it was. Um, I know it was a very bitty game, but. And we talk, don't really want to talk about referees all the time, but it's a, it's a every like you, you go from one extreme to the next, don't you? When, but with him, it was one extreme to the next within two minutes. Like some things he'd let go, others he'd pull back for nothing at all. And at least we're trying to be more streetwise. That was one plus point. There was times where rather than just let people just run through it, we'd kind of like take the little. Take a, a risk of a booking for the sake, take one for the team kind of thing, which we haven't done for a long, long time. Mm. We've been too nice, um, but it really is crutching at straws. <laughs> it, I think the fouls thing, though, is symptomatic of the way Palace approached the game. 
you know, their midfield pressing onto us. If you're going to press that high, there might be occasions where you give a free kick away. And there might be occasions where we've lost the ball and they will subsequently give a free kick away. It's just a transitional kind of game. But, yeah. you know, I'd much rather us be getting somewhere near and giving a foul away than getting nowhere near a team and, and not giving any free kicks away, if you see what I mean. Just because when you're not getting anywhere near anyone, then you are in trouble. And that, that's when you, you, you really are probably suffering within a game. But, I, I mean... We're not set up to really retain the ball properly, I don't think. Um, just because, you know, the players that are in the team. Huang, the one thing I've noticed about him ever since he started playing for us is he's really lax with the ball at times. I, I appreciate his ability to get into the box and stuff and, and score goals. But when you're building an attack, he's very kind of lax and, and too casual in possession sometimes little flicks with the outside of his foot and things and and Trincao as we know is, is, is quite liable to lose in possession as well so then really you're relying on Matinho Neves the wing backs and, and and Jimenez to hold on to the ball in the final third and that you want to hide into nothing um, if those two aren't contributing in that regard so it's to be expected then that to a certain extent if there's a team that who were, let's be honest, they were quicker, more physical, stronger. I mean, I, I tweeted this as well. When you look at the matchups in that game, you know, at the back, we've got Christian Benteke, Odson Edward, you know, Zaha. Quick, physical, you know, strong guys against, you know, Cody and Sace haven't really got athleticism to speak of, let's be fair. Kilman's a relatively solid guy, but also isn't necessarily the quickest. You go into the midfield, you know, Conor Gallagher, Kuyate, totally going to dominate physically Neves and Matinho at the back. I, I watched Trincao get a head start on Mark Gurhi and he still beat him to the ball. And I was like, well, this is what we're dealing with. Like, And it just goes to show, when we talk about horses for courses and team selection, maybe it was much better to go for the physical approach than the technical approach because it's all well and good, you know, p picking a team like that. But if you're going to get out physically battled, then you've got to try and keep possession and we were in no way set up to keep possession. I didn't think... I, I couldn't... Nothing springs to mind about kind of Cody being exposed too much by Benteke, like being out-muscled, which is normally a fear, isn't it, of, of him? Against he just seemed guard. to get the ball into his feet quite a bit, though, I think, and, yeah. and, and just pin him and, and even just play off him. And that kind of just gives a gives the team confidence if the ball's sticking. Jimenez, <coughs> it just didn't stick with him. So you don't get the confidence of, OK, if the ball's sticking up front, then you might be able to build something. They didn't give him a sniff whatsoever in that game. And just the, the, two, the, the way the two strikers fared just was, again, you know, the way that the way the game went, it was it was kind of in that direction. That's a nice comment there from uh, John Bradley. Trinko is all flap and no takeoff, <laughs> as in like like a yeah. <laughs> chicken run. Oh, yeah, I think this, there's a few. Bit. I think this is kind of the um, the thing with a lot of people like Robert Dingy Rapids and none of our lads apart from him and his fight to win the ball. The rest prance about her and pretend to try, but almost slow down and hang back. <laughs> Is it a, a clump, so. Jimenez, again, like, he, he, another game that's um, 
and not in the last couple, but this is one start back to start the season. They just passed him and his by completely, didn't it? This this game. But what I want to, what I want to do first, we'll get into any any more on that. I want to look at the goals. So let's take a look at the the first goal. Um, Zaha's. One second. <laughs> Stu, Stu is is Stu being the producer of uh, of today's show is is on the case. We've got, we got our goal. highlights to get up for. We have got highlights. If I couldn't figure out how to do it. Viewers and listeners, you can tell we're doing We've, something um, live today. Yeah, so it, it's a kind of it's, it's more like pirate radio for the uh, for the kids out there. So yeah, this is uh, Zaha's goal from behind the goal, and I didn't think it was offside to start with, but again, it's what well, there was a communication doing. lapse there. I think it was between Kilman and Saar, wasn't it? I think where they both went for the ball. Yeah, and then I. I don't know what Saar's doing out there. If I'm being no. honest, I've, one, the one thing I found with Saar yesterday was that every time he claimed the ball, and I don't know if this was pl- ta- planned tactically, but he couldn't get rid of it quick enough. Even if there was nothing really on, you know, he was just, he was, yeah. he was releasing it to Trinkel. I think he, he was stayed up front. But there wasn't any really any anything really on. But with that goal, um, Zaha was just pretty much abandoned, wasn't he? From when when he, the through ball came through to him, I know. You know, yet VAR stops it, and Cody's not come out quick enough. But I think there was still Sace to the left of him anyway. Who, you know, even if Cody had stepped up, Sace probably would have been there as well. I just, I just think that Zahar was—he he was just completely forgotten about. Hence, he was in a lot of space on his own. Um, nothing to grumble about with VAR, obviously, which is a shame because it's, it's Zahar, and I don't want to see him score because I don't like him as if, a child. But if Semedo musters any kind of clearance, though, we're not even having this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, when he gets the chance, a free put it up again, a free kick at the ball to boot it 40, 50 yards down the field, and he manages to find the first Crystal Palace player in front of him. Which I'd be funny. Sunday league players, you know, <laughs> that's bad. Achieve, yeah, that is bad. Achieve more than that. That is that is pretty pathetic, if I'm being honest. So is he not at the root then of that? Because he's he's put he's effectively slashed the clearance, done a shit job of it, and then completely he's forgets about the half. I mean, I'm, I'm a Samado fan personally, and he did some. He did well one on one in most situations, I think, yesterday. But that, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe he sees Zaha at the corner of his eye, but just fucking boot it, man! What, what are you doing? Like, like you know, you know, like when you're at school and, and you know, like a stray ball comes bouncing towards you uh, from another group. Like I don't know, it might have been like year sevens or something like that. What, what do you you want to boot it away? That was like one of those moments where the ball bounces and you, you look at it and you're like. This is going as far as I possibly can get it, and Samaya just ain't got that in him. Clearly, you know. Do you know what never, you're you're playing? You're playing that. right into Dan's stereotype there, but centre halves booting it away. <laughs> I, you know what? There's a time and a place for it, and that was definitely the time and the place. It just didn't fucking happen. Shame, really, because like I say, he's 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 been he's been their better performance, Samaya. That's just a bit of obviously just a bit one sad little little moment there where he's just got he's just not gone. But I, again, I don't, I don't think he got beat like all day, really. One no, on one, no, I think he was no. pretty solid. Otherwise, and I, I think the back line generally was okay, given what they were having to deal with. Um, but just uh, little moments and 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 little little things that you just think, oh, pretty basic stuff, really. Yeah, it's. I mean, on on Saar as well. It's as we saw last week. He's, <laughs> He's got one in him per game, eh? or one one every other game where he'll do something mental out of nowhere. 
and he had no right coming to claim that ball. So if he was, if he, for what, it's harsh because that's the kind of goalkeeper we wanted for a long time and I've sung his praises more than anyone, but that's a mistake. Like, like Alisson today against West Ham, all three, all the three of them goals were suspect because of, God knows what he was thinking of today. But they have their moments, don't they? And it's it's a catalogue of errors and it, unfortunately it falls to Zaha of all people. And VAR threatened them to actually threatened to give do us a favour at the other end, didn't they? With with Eight Norris, um the tackle on Eight Nori, sorry. But again, I there's nothing here to, to argue, is there really with this one? Correct me if I'm wrong. It, it, admittedly at full speed you think that's that that's a penalty because he carries it on so far like, into the box. But are we are we in agreement with the findings of VAR in that it started outside the box? Um, Ooh, it starts, so sure. there's, been, there's been so many things like this where they've said, oh, the fell starts outside the box, but it carries on into the box. Mm-hmm. That that was very much one of them. It seems to carry on into the box, and he's given it, and and he's given it for that reason. And then yeah. you look at it again, and you think, well, you can clearly see it's carried on into the box. So it's either you stick to one rule or you stick to the other. I think, and I it, think... It, inconsistency again. It's 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 a weird one because. If the referee's given the decision on field, it, it should be without doubt, really, you know, that it, that it is unequivocally outside the box. Can you still say that, really, not right now, that there is no question that that foul is outside the box? Because I don't think you really can. It's, no. it's, it's still ambiguous. And, and if the referee's given the decision on the field... And we and we were in a situation where VAR has to really find something wrong with that decision in order to overturn it. Then it leaves a bit of a sour taste to me. But I always go back to kind of the Callum Robinson one um, in the in the Black Country derby last season when 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 Bolly gave the penalty away. Oh, it's like, and it just feels like he's heel. Yeah, and it's like, come on. And I, I don't like comparing decisions from different games, but when it's as black, it's that's a black and white foul um, decision, really, isn't it? It's either in or it's out, and well, the referee deemed it in. The cameras suggested it could have been in. So, but the easy decision is not to give a penalty because penalties are decisive in fixtures, and then you know all all the rest of it that comes with it. Yeah, but you are right though. It's it is not a clear and obvious error. No, it's not. And it's not like what last on Monday against Everton when we had the one where he he did give a penalty blatantly give a penalty and then just gave it outside the box because you watch the replay it's outside, it is outside yeah. the box you don't need to look at the screen or anything that like was that. more clear cut yeah yeah but this was so subjective he never even had a chance to look at it himself let's just say that again and it's not black and white and you can't say either way so for me they they messed that one up for the reasons that it's not using the actual rules. And it's nah, I don't I don't understand it at all. He seemed quite sure of it as well. I think the ref. I remember watching at the time, and I can't remember who challenged him. One of the Palace players, and he just kept saying to the, the Palace player, "Because I think he was in the area. I think it's a penalty." He kept saying, "I saw him keep saying to it." But I guess if he was quite adamant about it, and VAR's telling him no, then what? I guess he, the option was always there for him to to have a look at the screen. But um, ultimately, didn't go our way. Look, we, didn't, we, didn't deserve, we didn't deserve anything from the game and part yeah. of me would have felt a little bit 
Yeah, okay. I don't want to undertake it. Undertake it, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah. Would at that point, it would have been. It would have been like you say. We wouldn't have through, through our passages of play or lack of. You know, we would have done nothing to be on level pegging with them at that point. Um, but obviously, it got worse for us uh, later on in the game. Goal number two for, for Palace. Um, Still set up the clip for us. Oh, no clip on this one. No, just just a, it's an image. Just the image there. I think with this one, there was no real, there's no real tenacity from from us. You know, I think the the cross comes in. I think Sace kind of half deflects it away, then it comes out to Gallagher, and then by and large we just stood watching. And then it takes a shot, and I think comes off Cody. I think um, Sensar the other way. I don't know. It just kind of just typifies their afternoon, really. Just no real. No tenacity from us, with a, you know, an unlucky, a, with a bit of bad luck chucked in as well. Just once, once it deflects off someone, it. you just know it's going in on, on that one, don't you? It was just like, yeah, it, it could have deflected anywhere, but no, it had to go into the back of the net because <laughs> that's that's the way it had to be yesterday because we were shite. Um, yeah, I can't rate any footballer who toe pokes in that kind of scenario as well. There's a, <laughs> there are situations when a toe poke is okay. That toe poke was just very odd. Was it a toe um, poke? So Conor, Gallag- Conor Gallagher's rating has to go down for me on his performance on that basis. I think that this is what this is why you don't like him. You get to the bottom of the problem, though. Yeah, and he's a baggy twat as well. Flat, kind of. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just something about players. You just run around a lot, and I'm just like, oh man, why are they getting the better of us? Shouldn't be the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got Antonio to come in a couple of weeks' time, so. That'll be oh, fun. Man. Again, another baffling footballer, but yeah, clearly effective. But oh. so that that pretty much summed up, didn't it? Really, that 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 goal. I think that was it. That was um, probably the, the, the time at many points, dodgy streams were turned off, or I, I'd leave. I don't know. I'm not sure if anyone left the ground to at that point when the second one went in. But um, no, no fear of a Villa-style comeback with with that with with that game on Saturday was there. No, it, it it was more of a oh well, that's just wonderful kind of <laughs> kind of thing. And the um, I'm, the amount of times I've been to that that nonsense place, I've never seen so many coaches ever. It's like people. This that was the the, the the bespoke way to get there yesterday because getting there by a train's a nightmare. Driving there is impossible. No way. So I mean, we we got lucky that we parked on on a, an extra side street because there was the usual place was also full. And so I think a lot of them were kind of forced to stay there. Yeah, you either stay here or you're going to stand in the cold and wait for the coach to open when the driver gets back from having a fag or whatever he's doing. Did, did it rain? Because it normally just rains at Selfless Park religiously, doesn't it? Apparently so, yeah. Well, yeah, it, we, had a, we, had a, we had a dry one yesterday, amazingly. So no, what, is, what is the what is the universally accepted worst away day to go to travel wise in the league? Is it between like Norwich, Palace, and I don't know, maybe Brighton? I guess we got all, we got all of it in the space of six weeks. Eh? <laughs> the, of course, yeah. Brighton, I mean Brighton's only got the one. It's in the middle of nowhere and it's got one little train station, so I don't, I don't, it's probably not ideal. Um, Norwich is in the middle of nowhere and same as Palace. I mean, for me, Palace is the worst one. By by a long way, just because of everything about the place, it's it, it's if it was built now, it wouldn't it wouldn't pass any safety checks checks at all. Fire, no. 
I mean, they're, they're, it sums up there's, for the ladies. There's three cubicles for the entire stand. What? No way. <laughs> and and the bloke's toilet, the one, the the, the main one, <laughs> you have to go down into this like bunker underground. Where you, you walk through the door, and it's like a tiled staircase. And you go down, and <laughs> yesterday for some, there's one one door in, one door out, but for some reason they'd left the like the, you know they they have dividers in between sections of um, concourse for like small and, and big allocations, but then took the dividers out. So you went in one door, if you went out the other door, you couldn't go back to your actual seat. You <laughs> so you, so it ended up with people just trying to go down at a one what that's I mean. Me, me, a month ago, would probably fill the gangway on the on this stairwell. Yeah. So you, you end up squeezing against these, this tiled wall to to abreast, just trying to get past each other on stairs. So luckily, it didn't rain because it would have been a nightmare. And it, people have fell down there in the past. I've seen it with my own eyes. But yeah, it's it. It should just be condemned and wiped off the face of the earth. That stand. Twenty first century stadium. It is not, is it? You can um, tell Wimbledon used to play there, can't you? Like it was just yeah. that crazy young shit, isn't it? It's just not not a pleasant experience. I mean, one thing I want to, um, well, last point I want to make about the the game um, before we go to a break is the use of subs in the game. So uh, obviously, Traore and Pedence were our impact subs. Um, Pedence <laughs> came on to take. He's natural, you know. He's normal, natural position, you know. But then Troro comes on for Samedo and he's asked to play right wing back, something which <laughs> we know doesn't work. We 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 know that we know, we know this, but that's the that's the position that he was entrusted to. What were your thoughts, gents, when that happened? Did you think, well, this 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 just sums the game up? Really, this is just exactly in the way the game's going. This is exactly normal. I thought I thought at first he'd gone to a back four, and Kilman was playing was playing at right back because Traore where he, where he came he set up he was set up in his normal he was above the halfway line and Kilman had come across I thought so he's gone to a back four with Mac, Super Max on as right back this doesn't make any sense and then after a couple of minutes I thought he has he's gone he's gone for the the dreaded way and he's done it and it's just baffling because like, like you said. We know he doesn't. It doesn't work. It's never worked. Yeah. The, the, it won, it, no, it worked once at Man City away, where he kept Sterling quiet for eighty minutes and then went up front and scored two. That's the only time ever in four years it's worked. That's not going to happen again, and especially against them lot. And it, it was just, it was almost like throwing anything at the wall and see if something sticks because it, it was nonsense. Complete nonsense. I do, it, I do remember it randomly working when we played. Um... Cardiff at home in the league, yeah. you know, randomly where we chucked to Ruddy in goal. Ruddy got a Premier League appearance that game. Yeah, I remember him playing, but let's just caveat it: it was Cardiff. Yeah, <laughs> as well. It, it, I, I still I remember that game. Um, and weirdly, it was like we scored a really good goal there. I yeah. think it was Jota um, in that game. And if you watch the highlights back, the Damatrio race stuck right out on, on the right wing, and I think it was the, the Cardiff left back. He's basically stood right next to him, watching everything unfold, like inside the penalty <laughs> area. 
And it's like, well, clearly this tactics worked because we've got one player taking out the game entirely. He's, trying, he's looking at the <laughs> and He's just literally just stood there like, oh, shit, I should probably go and help him or something. But, um, I'm not totally unconvinced. I'm not totally convinced it's not, not a bad idea because <laughs> I just think running from deeper is better. Samedo wasn't getting out wide and getting in, getting crosses into the box either. So why not? And I mean, if you're being honest, he could have hooked Wang and Trincao for for Pedersen try or I don't know why he didn't necessarily do that either. But I think the the biggest problem with it was he came on and for five minutes at least. I don't think he touched the ball. Yeah. We didn't yeah. actually manage to get the ball to him. And at that that point, then you then you screwed. Then it's like, oh yeah, clearly this isn't working. But I just don't think it was the day for us at all. I think, I mean, hindsight, yeah, you probably would have started potentially Traore just because he was able to carry the ball away from people in that middle of the park where it was all just so stodgy and and and, and Connor Gallagher-y. Like it was just, it was just, <laughs> just, just lots of ratting around and and shit and our oh, people just getting tripped over by like probably barbed wire in there somewhere wasn't there where it's just, you know there's a load of crap in the middle of the pitch where nobody could play football uh, apart from Crystal Palace players because they had some cheat code or some shit um, but oh, it was just a horrible game to watch man like, that, that that pitch just always looks really congested I don't, regardless of who plays it just looks like there's going to be a player on you wherever you get ball, the ball and I, I couldn't think of anywhere worse to play. Like it's just the problem. <laughs> which was the which was the worst game to watch? Brent the Brentford at home or Palace away? I because mm, mm. they were both shockers, obviously. They were shockers. I think I, I think I want to say Palace, but yeah. I, I think because against Brentford, I mean, I know they went down to ten men, but we actually had a period where we kind of asserted some kind of pressure. For a period of time, mm-hmm. maybe you could say we were, it was more enjoy- enjoyable. Is not the right word, is it? Acceptable. Um, yesterday, yesterday was as bad as it's been so far for me, easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had six, seven points before, and as well, and it still was bad. <laughs> Normally, that kind of thing kind of blurs how how terrible things really are. But I think he kind of emphasised yes- it in this case. Yesterday, in isolation, was throw the remote at the telly, kind of vibe for me like it was just yeah just fuck the world fuck everyone (laughs) yeah i think to sum up with it as we've said um it shows what we are really which is a mid-table team and yeah yeah some people were getting carried away with their good run and i can understand that because we were we, we went quite a few games where we didn't lose and if not for a like ninety fourth minute penalty against Leeds, would be you know even better even better off. But um, I think it's a bit of a reminder to the fan base that you know we're not top six, top eight a team. We're a mid we're a mid table team, and therefore therefore we are going to lose to teams of a similar standing. Uh, so what we're going to do now? We're going to head for a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to. Review our game against probably one of the form. Well, well, in fact, we were the form team in the league going into the, going into the game. But now I think we're up against someone there who truly are the form team in the league in West Ham. So we'll be back with you after this. 
Hi everyone, Matt from Walls Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left-back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Right, you're back with us here on the Wolves Fancast, part of the 90-minute network, of course. Now, chaps, international break, obviously, so we get to dwell on the Palace game for for two weeks. Um, And then we turn our attentions to West Ham at home, uh, a season or two ago, that wouldn't be so bad a proposition. Uh, but suffice to say, since Moisey has took over and they enjoyed a bit of a upturn in form during the pandemic, uh, it's a bit of a daunting task now, isn't it, to take on West Ham? Moisey's put together a really good team at the moment. So they all just, it just seems to be clicking there at the moment. Um, Antonio's playing a prominent role there. Has Ben Rama, uh, Declan Rice as well. It's I'm keen, I'm keen to get your thoughts on on how tricky this this game is going to be and and how you think it will play out. So, uh, Steve, what do you reckon? Are you looking forward to it or dreading it? <laughs> Any cool measure? Watching them against Liverpool today, uh, <laughs> I think we could get slapped. To be honest. <laughs> But at, at the same time, they're not a kind of high-pressing team, which seems to be our nemesis this season. So it could be the case that if they give us a bit of a, a bit of space in midfield, then we might be able to do something to them. But they're just going so well. I mean, when they can get to Europe and one of their fans loses a finger and they just put it on a fence, and you know they're, they're living their best life, are they? And when things are like that happening to you and, and they don't care. What, what chance have you got? I'm dreading it, to be honest. I really am dreading it. I know we've played well in patches and against Everton first half, like we mentioned. But I think they could just rip us apart, especially with the, the pace and annoying factor that they've got. And players like Declan Rice being in the form of his life. And Antonio always being a threat and a nemesis to us anyway. I think they've just got a lot going for them at the minute. And as long as them, the players come back for after international duty... Perfectly on skate, then I could see us getting a proper thumping, to be honest. And who knew that Jared Bowen would turn into a messy like figure as well? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not me. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it in the sense that it's, it's going to be another opportunity for Bruno to try and instill his his tactics and his ways on the team. And there's always that feeling at the moment that we've got the potential to really um, put together a good attacking performance. Now, West Ham, before David Moyes took over, I thought they were our easiest fixture in the league. Um, If you go back to the first two seasons, then we slapped them four in a row without conceding a goal. Something like that. And honestly, I I walked into those games thinking, done deal, we're good here. Just enjoy yourselves, boys. 
Um, but now they seem to have got their shit together. All the while, without playing with a proper striker, in inverted commas. Um, amazing, to be honest. Really, really, really impressed with, with, with Moores and what he's done. I'm quite pleased for him, to be honest, because... I always respected what he did at Everton and, and enjoyed watching his Everton teams. Um, and we're in a space now where people are written off entirely based on their experiences at the highest level. Man United shouldn't be the barometer that people measure David Moyes by, I don't think. I think he's, he's now had the opportunity to reprove himself. And he's shown that he is a good manager at a certain level within the Premier League and fair play to him. Um, I do have to say that I think Declan Rice is like the form midfielder in the league right now. Every time I've seen him play this season, he's been unbelievable um, and somehow isn't affected by the the Euros hangover that every other England player seems to be <laughs> suffering from. Well, all the, all the Man United players anyway. Um, so I can't see us winning that midfield battle. The, the, that's going to be the biggest problem. Um, now, one thing that West Ham are, as Crystal Palace were, is physical and strong. You know, lots of Suchek, Ogbonna and Zuma at the back, like big lads, they're mobile, they're, they're going to get about the pitch and, and, and impose themselves. And, and I think that means it calls for a certain reinforcement with regards to the physicality in the side. It's um, it's surprising, isn't it? Because I think I remember in the media they said that there's one if there's one team that liked playing behind closed doors, it was it was West Ham back in the pandemic. Because obviously, like you said beforehand, <laughs> their fans just hated the, the team, the stadium, the owner, everything. The fans just hated the whole thing about the club. But now. Probably even the Dildo Brothers are getting a, a free ride, aren't they, in charge? Because everything's going so well. <laughs> dildo Brothers getting a free ride, yeah? Not <laughs> Unintentional, of course. And <laughs> but like now, everything just seems to be completely ro- completely rosy in the garden. And he, like I said, he, they're managing, as, as we did, I suppose, when we were in Europe, they're managing the European campaign along the league campaign quite quite well as, as as we did when when we had to contend with it um i am we're extremely wary of this game i do like you said before we've got all action forwards like an antonio against their, their back line i do worry with rice and Suchek in the middle against against their midfield um all that being said though you know neves had a great game Against them, he bossed it really against Everton. He looked like prime, prime Neves there. So it's, it's, if he's on his game, then it should be a good midfield battle. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just wary about like, like at the back, like you say, Ogbonna and Zuma, two big, powerful athletes at the back. Um, it should be a good game though. Hopefully, it should be interesting. It should be another, another good test for us. Um, who's willing to put their neck on the line and, and give me? Some predictions about how it's going to go. I'll say who's going to do it. You both have to give me anyway. <laughs> so, Gully, what do you reckon? You want to kick us off with <laughs> what you think the score will be? Yeah, I, I don't think we're a team at the moment is going to concede a lot of goals. Um, despite how shit we've been playing, we actually seem to be holding teams at bay relatively well. Um, no thanks to 
Mr. Max Kilman, who he was exceptional again, to be fair. You know, he, he, there was one point where Zaha was running at him in the penalty area um, in, in the Palace game, and he, he just, calm as you like, just, just nicked it off him and, and dealt with it with minimum of fuss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the problem being, he's not come through the, the England system and the, he ain't got the DNA that they, they like to talk about, so I can't see him necessarily being on the on the verge of a call up unfortunately but um hopefully that happens for him soon i so, did see i did i did see just before he gives a prediction i did see an article uh, a couple of days ago about kilman saying that ukraine wanted him but because he's played mm-hmm. futsal for england he can't play football for ukraine yeah because it's fifa eh? registered eh? yeah oh, so if you, if you play if you play an official Futsal, football, or beach soccer game for no a nation, you, you then can't play for it in like the, the, the two sports for, for, the other, for any other country. He's totally screwed. In. What facts of the day? Yourself, what screwed yourself in Russian? Um, <laughs> yeah, all right, that's interesting. That is interesting. So, uh, uh, in the background, for those that don't know, I live in Birmingham, and in the background, there was some, um, well. They're, they're still going on. There's a couple of guys um, scrapping. Well, not scrapping. <laughs> having a having a lively debate um, outside my my street, and I caught the words. Um, Dean Smith shouldn't have gone. <laughs> uh, Zidane Zidane in, um, and 1982. That's all I heard. Um, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll report back when I hear some more. Going back to the result anyway. Um, one one. I'm going for a one one. Take that. Uh, I'll, I'll take that now. <laughs> um, I mean, as of the what the seventh of November that it is now, after watching them just beat Liverpool and going to third place in the Premier League and coming off the back of what we threw out yesterday, I know that the back where I said up and I think a three 0 defeat and I just but. It's maybe it's still raw. Maybe maybe I'm underestimating us, and it could be an Everton first half like performance, or the first three games of the season, and we turn it back on again. But I just they look so in tune with each other at the minute, and we're still a bit of a work in progress. That I think we could get slapped by them. So unfortunately, Dude, a three 0 defeat. It's still only Jared Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> No one, can, for... no one can convince me. Just to be honest, I think it might be his name more than anything. Like, no one can convince me that as a great footballer. Like, I, just, I just can't see it. I can't. He it's not a superstar name, is it? He's just, he's just got the name of like a, a League One footballer. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's just, I can't, I can't. He just doesn't look right. He doesn't look right. <laughs> He's, oh, man. He's, like, he didn't. He didn't come from the football in Mecca that is Hull. Yeah, and Hereford before that apparently. Oh, was it Hereford? Um, oh, wow. he was, he's down at Hereford apparently, but it's just like it's not right. Something's not right with the footballing world, man. The matrix is is screwed in some way. That Jared Bowen is suddenly an elite footballer. You know, Mate, I mean, bite you on the arse. It's like it's like if Jordan Hugels came into the Premier League and started scoring <laughs> twenty goals a season. Well, he went to West Ham. Doesn't count. His name's Jordan Hugel. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he didn't he didn't succeed at West Ham. So how the hell did Boeing? What did, what's Boeing got on the world to to get all this success and look? I, I I don't understand it. But I mean, maybe it will, Stu. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. But 
that he won't change my opinion. <laughs> what, I mean, what, for a start, what, why isn't he on the on, in the conversation for getting called up to the England squad? Because I've never heard his name mentioned in any of those. Uh, none, none, none of our other forwards are scoring. <laughs> he never crops up though, does it? And it's just like, well, someone's got to get hold of him and just you know sort him out, and hopefully it's. Well, Sace tends, tends to play on his side, doesn't he? So maybe Sace just puts a reducer on him or something, and then that'll, that'll do. What, who's there? Is, is it Fournell? Fournell's is the only player there for three. Yeah. Or is it yeah. Lanzini? Was it the, the switch you don't know? Lanzini doesn't even start for him, I think, at the moment. It's, it tends to be Fournell's or Ben Rama. Of course. Yeah, Ben Rama. I should know because I'm a fancy Premier League team. <laughs> Got all about him. Um, Right then, so yeah, I'll round that off by saying as well that uh, I think I'll go with you, Gold as well. I think I'm going to be uh, try and be a bit positive, and I think it will be one-one. Suits plumbing the depths. <laughs> we could do with an extra draw too, to be fair as well, can't we? But no. I think yeah, I think it's real fair game. They're they're going to take some stopping because they are in such a good run, and yeah, Moyes has just like I say got the shit together with them at the minute, so it will be tough, but. If we up our game, I think we can get a one-one draw. Right, gents. Um, we'll call it to a close there for this week. Thank you ever so much for your time this evening, um, listeners and watchers. Um, please follow us on all the social medias. So your you Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. So you can subscribe to us there. Just search Wolves Fancast. You'll find us. We're of course part of the ninety-minute network, and we will catch you next time. See you later.